Well, today we're going to talk about uh, All In. We've been doing a series the last couple of weeks called All In. And this week we're going to talk about I am influential. Every one of us needs to be an influencer. You are called. I am called. Anybody who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior is called to be an influencer. And uh, I'm going to show you the scriptures that prove that, all right? Uh, one of the main things, I'm going to say it here at the beginning, and then I'm going to have a slide for it at the end, is this, this idea right here. You have no idea how much one, just one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love to someone might change somebody's life. So God's called all of us to be influencers. And maybe you think, well, you know, I'm not an influencer. I don't have an influence on anybody. Can I tell you this? Uh, somebody is watching you. Uh, it may be a family member. It may be uh, the people living inside your house. Uh, there are always eyes upon you, even when we don't think there's somebody watching. There are people watching. And if you call yourself a Christian, I can guarantee you somebody is watching to see how you act, to see how you react, and to see if you really walk the walk instead of just talk the talk, okay? So it's extremely important um, that we live for Christ. Uh, one of the main reasons it's so important to live for Christ is not because if we mess up that the Lord won't forgive us. No, he says um, that he will forgive us if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us. The reason that we want to live a right life and a, a life that's honoring to the Lord is, is because there are other people watching us and they will make their decision for Christ based on what they see in your life and my life. That's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? And that should be the main motivation. Not because the Lord won't forgive us when we mess up, but many times when we mess up, uh, we become a stumbling block to somebody else coming to know the Lord because they see the way we act or react and it's not very Christ-like and they go, they ain't got nothing, nothing different than I got, so I don't need that Jesus stuff. And uh, I can't think of anything worse uh, to know that I did that to somebody or that, that you did that to somebody. Um, so here's the thing. Culture has hijacked the meaning of the word influencer. Now, here's what the world says. This is how it defines an influencer. In fact, if you go on and you start looking on uh, Google and uh, look for articles on influencers, almost every one of those articles will talk about social media. That's how big social media has become. And in the world's eyes, in order to be a uh, influencer today, you have to be a celebrity or you have to be a, a YouTube star. You have to have a huge presence on social media. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. Here's, let's look at this definition, though. This is the definition the world has for an influencer. An individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of their authority, their knowledge, or their relationship with their audience. Uh, you have people now on Facebook, YouTube, getting paid because they have so much influence. They have so many followers that, uh, that these companies come back, YouTube and Facebook, and they pay them uh, to let them advertise on their walls because they are influencers and they have such an influence with a wide audience. And so that's the way the world sees uh, uh, an influencer today. Uh, but I can tell you this. It's not about how many people you can influence. It's about all you have to really do to be an influencer is influence one single person at a time. Let me give you an example. How many of you had in, uh, in growing up, you had that one teacher 
that really encouraged you. You had that one teacher that said, you know what? I believe you have a talent and a gift in this area, and I really think you ought to pursue it. That could have made a huge difference in your life. Uh, with me, it was music. Uh, you know, I had a, a, a music teacher in high school. I was very shy, um, but she saw a talent and a gift. And she said, you know what, I think you need to develop that. I believe you could make a living doing that. And I went on and got a, a bachelor's degree in music, a master's degree in music, uh, have spent most of my life in some form or fashion using music to, uh, uh, to bring glory to the Lord and, uh, and actually been able to make a living at it. So, um, you know, that one teacher had a huge impact on my life. She was an influencer in my life. Uh, many of you might have been a coach. Might have been a coach that taught you not just how to play the game, but also taught you life lessons and life values uh, as they coached you. Um, you know, I find that those people, it, when I go back in my life, it was much more the people that influenced me one-on-one -on -one, uh, than any celebrity. You know, we can. it's easy in our culture today to kind of worship and idolize a sports figure or a celebrity, but I'm here to tell you, they will never be there for you. They won't show up on your doorstep if something goes wrong. Uh, I think uh, the real influencers in our life need to be the teachers and the coaches and the youth pastors and the pastors and those people who come into our life and through a word of encouragement make a difference in your life and my life. Uh, that's what I'm talking about today. So I want us to take back the meaning of influencer. I want us to take it back and say, you know what, it's more about one-on-one. -on -one. I can be an, I might not be able to influence millions of people, but I sure can influence one person at a time. And uh, that should be my goal and your goal. Okay? So uh, we're going to look today at a, a story in just a moment. But first, we're going to look at some words of Jesus, all right? Uh, and it is found in, uh, these words are found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, all right? And so the, uh, Jesus was talking, and he was talking to believers. And so this is what he's saying, and so we can take these words to you and I as believers today. Uh, starting at verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, then how shall it be seasoned? I don't know if you've ever ate anything that was bland and they didn't salt it or pepper it or put any seasoning to it. Uh, it's just bland food. It has no taste to it. And so that's what he's comparing us to, salt or seasoning. And if it loses its flavor, then how will anything be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. All right, next verse. Uh, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. All right. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and then it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. All right. So this is kind of a key verse for what we're talking about today. In these verses, the Lord talks about being two things as a believer. Uh, and they kind of go together. Uh, I'm going to use just something to kind of match them up. Salty and shiny. All right. You'll notice in these verses he talked about two different things. He talked about salt is the seasoning. Everything tastes pretty bland without the seasoning. So you are to be the seasoning. If you, don't, if you aren't the salt, then everything will be bland and people will just go through life. It will have no meaning. It will have no purpose and uh, the Lord uh, calls us to be the salt. And then he turns around and he tells us 
to be light in the darkness. We are to be shiny, all right? So we should shift how we think about influence. Uh, the problem with the current view of influence is it starts with a platform. In other words, if we go back to talking about um, you know, the, um, uh, the influencers on YouTube or on Facebook, <coughs> that's the reason they pay them is because they have all these followers. So in their mind, they say, well, this person has a platform with maybe a million, five million people. And so that's why we're going to pay them to advertise on their wall. Uh, so many people believe influence starts with a platform. But I'm here to tell you uh, that true and lasting influence always starts with people before platform. All right. So in other words, I'm not asking everybody in here uh, to be an influencer because you've got a million followers. Probably nobody watching this video has a million followers. If you do, that's awesome. But I'm here to tell you, it's not about trying to influence millions of people at a time. It's about influencing that one person. If you or I could just take one person and say, you know what, for the next year, two years, I'm going to pour my life into this one person. If you could just be an influencer and change one person's life every year or two, uh, that would be incredible. You would do way more than most people will ever do in their life. So I think that's a, a, a reasonable and a real goal is for you and I to just say, look around and say, you know what, who are one or two or three people for the next year or two I can pour my life into and I can encourage them. Uh, that's a very realistic goal and we can all set our mind and our heart to do that and I would encourage you to do that. Uh, I, I just thought I'd tell you uh, my personal story. Uh, some of the influencers in my life. Uh, I got saved when I was 15 years old. I started going to church when I was 12. It, I'm a little bit slow. It took me three years to kind of get it. I was just kind of an attender. I started uh, going because of the old bus ministry, and uh, they offered me a free hot dog and free Kool-Aid, and I said, I'm there, I'm in. And uh, so, you know, we, I would attend church. Then my parents became convicted and said, you know, we shouldn't just send our kids to church. We should take our kids to church. So they became involved in that church. And really, my first influencers for the Lord were those bus workers, those people who showed up at my house on a Saturday and said, hey, we, uh, we come through here, we pick up kids, take them to church on Sunday morning, uh, get a free hot dog, some free Kool-Aid. Uh, would you and your sisters like to go? And so uh, my very first influencers, the people that I can credit with me knowing the Lord and, and being where I am today, really starts with those bus workers, all right? Uh, then when I got to the church, uh, they had a Sunday school class, and that Sunday school teacher became an influencer in my life. And I would go every Sunday, and uh, it took me three years, but for three years I was hearing the gospel. I was hearing uh, that it's more than just coming to church. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So then the next influencer became that Sunday school teacher. And then I became involved in the youth group, and the youth pastor became my influencer, all right? Then I wanted to name a few guys by name. Uh, I, uh, the, where I started going to church and where I grew up, 
uh, as a teenager and got saved at was uh, right down the road here on Front Street, Friendly Baptist Church. The pastor there at that time was Brother Milton Gardner. And Brother Milton Gardner was an incredible encouragement to me. And at the young age of seven, I got saved at 15. And, uh, man, I started to sing in church. I started to just do different things in church. And Brother Gardner was an awesome, uh, awesome influence on me and an influence. And he's one of the first ones that said, you know, Mark, I, I could see you surrendering to the ministry. I could see you being used to the Lord. And he encouraged me in that. He encouraged me to... Uh, to go forward with it and uh, not to just ignore it or run away from it, all right? And all these next three guys, they're all in heaven now. Uh, so I'm, one of these days I'll get to stand in front of Jesus and stand before those men again and hug their neck and say thank you. Uh, then after Brother Milton Gardner, I started to work in churches. I surrendered the ministry at 18 years old, began to serve in different churches at 19 or 20. Uh, then ended up at uh, this church uh, back in uh, right after Julie and I got married in around 1986 or so. Uh, we started, uh, we began our relationship with Landmark Baptist Church. And Brother Mike Daniels became a huge influence in my life. And uh, he really taught me how to pastor. He taught me how to love people. He taught me how to be a soul winner. Uh, just uh, amazing things. And, you know, if you know knew Brother Mike, you know like I do. He loved people. He loved uh, probably even more so people who were down and out, who were broken, who needed help because he could identify with those folks. And he knew those are the folks who are going to fall in love with the Lord the most, the ones who are the most broken, the ones who need the Lord the most. All right. So, Brother Mike Daniels, I learned a lot about how to be a pastor and how to minister to people, how to win people to Jesus. Uh, then I left uh, from uh, Landmark and I went to Longview and uh, there was a pastor there named Brother Dick Stagner. And Brother Dick took it even further to the next level and uh, taught me about ministry and taught me so many different things. And uh, Brother Dick, uh, we left and came back to Tyler in 2009 to start uh, Grace Point Church. And just a year later, uh, Brother Dick Stagner died unexpectedly. Uh, but all three of those men, huge influences in my life, uh, huge influences in my life. And I look forward to one day uh, them greeting me at the gates of heaven and us just having a big old time and me being able to tell them again, thank you, thank you, thank you for being an influencer in my life. And see, it wasn't because they had a platform. It wasn't because they had um, millions of influencers or uh, there wasn't even any social media back then. But these guys, they why did they have an influence in my life? Because they got with me one-on-one. -on -one. They spent time with me one-on-one. -on -one. And they did really just encourage me. I learned more from these men about ministry just by watching them than I did really any book or anything like that. All right? Let me show you uh, this next slide, all right? Uh, here's what I need you to understand, because these men, I don't know if they even realized it at the time, but they were planting seeds in me. And what you need to understand, if you've got a garden, or if you're into that, any farmer could tell you, uh, you're not gonna see the harvest for a while. You're gonna plant seeds, and you're gonna see nothing for a while. You're just gonna see dirt. Uh, but look at this slide. Just because you don't see the harvest doesn't mean that the seed didn't take root. All three of these men, I don't know if they realized it at the time, they were planting seeds inside of me. And uh, maybe they couldn't see the harvest right off the bat. Uh, again, I'm a little slow. It took me some time to figure things out. It took three years of going to church before I finally got saved. Uh, you know, and so not, not all of it took place overnight. Uh, so they had to plant seeds 
without really being able to see the harvest for a while. Now, thank God most of these guys got to see down the line and got to see uh, God uh, bring that harvest about, all right? But it took a while, all right? So you've got to be patient. You've got to know, I may be planting seeds today, and you may think, well, I'm planting seeds, but they're never going to turn into anything. That's, that's stinking thinking. Don't you even do that, all right? Uh, God has not called you uh, to do everything. He's called you some to plant the seeds. He's called some to water the seeds. And he's called some to get, the heart, get to harvest the seeds. But not everybody gets to take part in every part of it, all right? You just be faithful to do your part, all right? And if that's just planting seeds, then you be faithful in planting seeds. You might not, you might not ever get to see the harvest, but uh, uh, God is faithful, amen? All right, so um, I'm going to give you this next con- uh, story. We're going to look at a story of, uh, of Jesus planting some seeds in a, in a person's life. I'm going to give you the context first. Jesus went on a trip. And he's passing through Samaria. Now, this, this one thing alone is very interesting because uh, Jesus was a Jew, and Jews would never pass through Samaria. But Jesus knew there was somebody there he needed to see. Jesus knew there was somebody there, and he wanted to not only change her life, but he also wanted to show these other guys all this, uh, all this judgment and this condemnation all this racism, if you will, about hating these people from Samaria, uh, you need to throw all that out the window, all right? So Jesus intentionally goes through Samaria because Jews hated Samaritans. Now, let me explain what Samaritans were. Samaritans were what they considered half-breeds. They were half-Jew and half-Gentile. And so the Jews saw them as your impure Jews. And so they saw them as less than human. They saw them as worse than dogs. Uh, they, again, they saw them as half-breeds, and so they very much looked down upon them and said, uh, you're not a pure Jew, so you're not even a real Jew. You're, you're less than a human. You're worse than a dog, all right? And so the story of the Samaritan woman takes giant significance when you realize that, that uh, it was extremely unusual for a, a Jewish man to even speak to a Samaritan woman, all right? Um, so the Samaritan woman shows up, And Jesus says, give me a drink. Let's look at the story. John 4, 9 is where it starts. It says this, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. All right? So Jesus is saying, I know that you're, you're looking for something. You're searching for something spiritual. And guess what? You don't even realize who you're talking to. But I am here to give you that living water. You're thirsty. You don't even know what you're thirsty for. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm the person who's going to be able to give you that living water that you're thirsty for and you don't even know what it is. Um, so then she responds, the lady responds, but okay, well, this living water, well, I don't even have a bucket and the well is very deep. So how can I get this water you're talking about? And Jesus has to kind of tell her, uh, I'm not really talking about water like you're thinking of, uh, verses, uh, 13 and 14, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, and he's pointing to the well, will thirst again. And then he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. 
But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water that will spring up into everlasting life. Woo, come on. So he tells this to this Samaritan woman, and this Samaritan woman uh, gets excited. She gets very interested, and she says, yes, sir, please, I want that living water. And then let's look at how Jesus responds, verses 16 through 19. So she says, I'm interested. I, I want this living water you're talking about. So Jesus says to her, go, call your husband, and come here. Then the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. Next verse. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Wow. So this woman says, who is this guy? He, is, he knows everything about me, knows everything. And Jesus was saying this not to judge her or condemn her. He was doing this so that she would know uh, he was exactly who he said he was. He told her all about her past. In verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. All right? So let's, let me get you to understand this. All right? So Jesus offers her this living water, and then he tells her, here's your past. I know that you don't have a husband. I know that you've had five husbands, and the guy you're with now, that's not your husband. So in other words, she was kind of known around town as a loose woman, if you would, all right? In fact, that's why she was coming to the well in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, and she went to a well further away than the one nearest to her village because she had a reputation, and she knew that the, the men would look upon her uh, in a certain way, and then the women would look upon her with disgust. And so uh, she had this bad reputation, and she knew she had this bad reputation. And so she's purposely going at the slowest part of the day and to go well farther away from her village. That's why she didn't want to be in contact with anybody. And Jesus knows this. And she knows. She says, I know I'm an immoral woman. She, she knows. She's not trying to deny it. And Jesus just kind of calls her out, again, not to judge her or condemn her, but to just say, I know everything about you. And G, But Jesus sees not an immoral woman. Jesus sees that this lady right here is a miracle waiting to happen. Can I give you some good news today? Jesus sees you, and he does not see what the world sees. He doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your sins. He doesn't see all your failures. He doesn't see your messed up life. He sees a miracle waiting to happen. Amen. Whew, that'll make you want to shout, all right? Um, so... Jesus knows this about this woman. She is thirsty. She's craving attention. Now, she's, she's looking for love, but the old country song, like it says, she's looking for love in all the wrong places. And who knows what this woman's background is. You remember a couple weeks ago I talked about uh, the woman brought before Jesus caught in adultery. Well, this lady could have kind of the same background. Maybe her dad uh, left her when she was a child. Uh, maybe she got involved with the wrong crowd uh, when she was young. Maybe, uh, maybe her dad or other males in her life were abusive to her. Maybe they were physically and mentally and sexually abusive to her. Maybe that she was just creating a cycle of dysfunction that was in her family. Um, and it explains why she was avoiding people, all right? She did not want to draw attention to herself. And now she's at the well and she's saying, why would this Jewish man, who shouldn't even be talking to me, why would he offer me living water? Uh, but he does, and Jesus sees something good in her, 
And so guess what this little lady does? She becomes an influencer, all right? Let's go to the next set of verses, 28 through 30. So the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city, and they came to him. Guess what? This lady became an instant soul winner. She didn't know anything. She was just kind of guessing, but she said, this happened to me, and I need to tell somebody. So she goes back into her city, her village, and she just tells them, y'all need to come see this guy. He told me everything I've ever done. He called me out on my past, and uh, he knows everything. he knows everything about me. And could this be the one, the Messiah that we've been looking for? So she will not let it go. And she becomes a really good influencer. And she drags everybody out there to go see Jesus Christ. All right. And uh, so she, she without, without realizing it, is becoming an influencer. And many people are going to come to know Jesus because of this woman. All right. All right. So this woman was a messed up, hurting, broken immoral woman. Maybe you can relate to that. Um, this is probably all of us at one point or another. Uh, well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what my past is. It doesn't matter. This woman was totally messed up, but uh, here's the thing I need you to understand. You do not have to have your life all together to influence someone for Jesus Christ. I've known people who were alcoholics, drug addicts, uh, people living out on the street uh, with their life totally messed up, and they got introduced to Jesus and they just started telling people. They didn't know the Bible. They didn't know anything. They just met Jesus, and he changed their life radically. And all of a sudden, they just instantly begin to tell others about him. And even if they don't know anything, they just say, man, I, I don't know any of the answers, but, man, come to church with me or come, come see this guy that led me to the Lord, all right? Uh, I want to tell you, from whom much has been forgiven, uh, much is required. And that's why people who are saved of so much, they tend to love a lot deeper. They love Jesus because they've been forgiven of so much. And uh, the great news is that you do not have to have everything all together to influence someone for Christ. If Jesus saved you, changed your life, just tell somebody about that. All right? All right. So uh, then let's look at the, what happened after this, verses 39 through 41. So it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two more days. All right? And many more believed because of his own word. So one lady at the well had an encounter with Jesus. She goes and tells the entire city. They come out. They can, not only do many of them get saved, then they convince Jesus, hey, Jesus, come and stay two more days. So Jesus has an uh, evangelism rally in the city for two more days. And if Jesus is the evangelist, can you imagine how many more people got saved? I would dare say probably almost that entire city uh, became uh, followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, because you give Jesus two or three days in your city, I'm sure he could turn it upside down. All because of the influence of this one woman. All right. Uh, what's really cool is, who did God use in this story? A woman whose name we still don't even know. We, it never gives her name. We never know. We tell this story. Here we are 
2,000 years later or so, and we're telling a story. We don't even know her name, but we're talking about her 2,000 years later. She became one of the world's greatest influencers. And it was just a woman who was searching for love, and she was looking in all the wrong places, and Jesus said, I know what you're looking for. You're looking for love and acceptance and living water, and I'm going to change your life. So, man, here's what I want to encourage you with. I want to give you this last slide because you are an influencer. Whether you want to be or not, if you're a Christian, you're an influencer because I can guarantee you somebody's watching you. Your kids are watching you. Your grandkids are watching you. Your neighbors are watching you. Your coworkers are watching you. Somebody's watching you because you have said, I'm a Christian, or you proclaimed it in some kind of way. Maybe you haven't even said it real loudly, but people know, you know, that guy goes to that landmark Baptist church down there. Let's watch him and see if he's any different than us. And I'm here to tell you that you may say, well, that's a lot of pressure, Mark. Well, I'm here to tell you the name of Jesus carries a lot of weight with it, and there's a lot of responsibility. So this is why we have to be careful. But let's not look at the negative Let's say, what can we do for the positive? Look at this slide. When you listen to someone who's hurting, offer to pray with them. Uh, one of the greatest ways I have found to bless people is just say, stop whatever you're doing. Stop right there, no matter where you're at. Maybe you're in the middle of Walmart. Maybe you're at the gas station, out at the gas pump, pumping gas. I prayed with people in the weirdest places. And you just say, okay, you're telling me, you're, you're pouring out your heart here. Can I pray for you? And I've never had anybody turn me down, even non-believers. Uh, they figure, what could it hurt? So they let you pray for them. And it, it inevitably blesses people. And then when you begin to pray with them out in a public place, that becomes another testimony to people. Uh, so offer to pray for people when they're hurting. Uh, invite someone to church. A simple invitation to church could literally change somebody's life and change them for all of eternity. Could literally take them from uh, eternity without Christ to now eternity with Christ in heaven. All right? Uh, text someone a Bible verse. Uh, texting can be used for a lot of terrible things, but I tell you one of the great things that the Internet and having these smartphones does is uh, we can be encouragers. Uh, without even having to be there face to face you can send somebody scripture you can send somebody just a word of encouragement and so use that texting for something good uh, many times when i find downtime i'll just go through my contact list and just send people a quick thing hey i'm praying for you real quick and uh, just let them know i'm praying for them i'm thinking about them and i've had people say you never know that came in a part of the day exactly when I needed it, all right? Uh, post a godly message or a sermon clip, maybe even this video, uh, post it on your wall on social media. Uh, you never know. Again, the great thing about this social media is you never know where these videos will get. You never know where your posts will get. People might see that that uh, you would never get a chance to see face-to-face, -face, all right? Uh, give something to someone in need, all right? When somebody has a need, if you have the ability to fill that need right then, then don't wait. Listen, I'm real bad about this. Somebody will share something with me. I'll say, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And then I go away, and I forget to pray for them. That's why I just started making it a point to just say, oh, you need prayer? Well, stop right here. Let's pray right now. No time like the present, and it will bless them like you've never seen. Uh, same thing if someone says, you know what? Man, I, I'm trying to get to my mom's, and I've been out of work. Man, I need $10 of gas to get out there. Uh, if I got $10 in my pocket and I know I've got the, 
the ability to meet that need. Don't say, well, man, I'll sure be praying for you. The, cop, the easiest spiritual cop-outs many times with us as Christians say, well, I'll sure be praying for you when we know we had the ability to meet that need right then and there. So do it, all right? And I'm going to leave you with this. Again, I said it at the beginning, all right? Look at it on the slide here. You have no idea how much just one conversation, one word of encouragement, or one expression of love might change someone's life. Pray with me if you would. If I were to ask you right now, if you were to die right now, where would you go? Would you go to heaven or hell? If you, were to, if you, could, if you can't answer that and say for sure, I know I'd go to heaven, uh, then I want to lead you in a prayer because here's the thing. You and I, we need to know that we're going to heaven. And you say, well, Mark, I'm, I'm a sinner. I've done things wrong. Listen, uh, your salvation is not based upon you. It's based upon what Jesus did on the cross for you and your acceptance of that. So if you're not sure, today's the day you need to make it sure. So pray this prayer with me and pray it in your heart and your mind. Say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And right now, I want to get right with you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And so right now, the best way I know how, I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins and save me from myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you prayed that prayer? Uh, for the first time or maybe the second time, 100 time, maybe you're recommitting your life to Christ. Uh, the Bible says, these things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. How can I know that I have eternal life? Because it's all based on Jesus and what he did on the cross. It's not based on me at all and how perfect I am. It's not based on that at all. So if you prayed that prayer today, please let me know. Encourage, uh, send a message uh, under this, uh, on this wall here. Or you can text me or call me at 903-399-3284. Man, I hope that this has blessed you. And I hope that we can all be influencers. Don't forget, Sunday morning at 11 a.m., weather permitting, we're going to have a, a, a church in the parking lot. You can bring a, a chair, sit outside your car, or sit in your car, whatever you're comfortable with. And I hope to see you on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock here at Landmark Baptist Church. God bless you.